everywhere. This is for you. It's Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, what a week of Philly sports. The NFL draft is tomorrow night, and seems like no one's even talking about it. The Sixers have advanced to round two of the playoffs. The Phillies are all banged up, and Jake Arrieta is mouthing off. Donovan McNabb is mouthing off, too. And then there was a little Flyers and Kate Smith story this week that isn't sitting very well with Flyers fans. Never a dull moment on the Philly sports scene, Bill. We're going to talk about all of the above, but, yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned about the Phillies, who've gone 8-11 and since that 4-0 start to the season. I love the way the Sixers have responded to the dreadful Game 1 loss, four straight victories after that to oust the Nets. And, yeah, the Kate Smith story has really taken on a life of its own since it broke last Thursday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, a couple great returning guests tonight uh, to talk NFL draft. And the Eagles and Mark Echo of Bob McGinn Football and BetterInsider.com. And we'll talk to Wall Street Journal sports journalist Jason Gay about one Tiger Woods and what the future looks like for him and for golf. Yeah, i got to be honest. I haven't done as much draft prep work as I should have, so I don't have much of a clue as to what the Eagles might do over the next few days. Hopefully Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas, though, have done all the necessary work because this is an important draft for the birds, a lot of holes to fill. Well, it sure is. And uh, like I say, it seems like the draft has been really quiet. It's really surprising to me, but – we're going to get it right now. Let's welcome back Mark Echo of Bob McGinn Football and BetterInsider.com. And, Mark, you've come a long way since last year when it was recent retired sitting on the beach, Mark Echo. Well, right, you got a whole big title. I know. I'm still on the beach. I, I, I work about 10 hours a month maybe, so it's, <laughs> I still spend most of my time on the beach. I'm, I'm, I, actually, I was helping Bob out last year as well. Bob, Bob McGinn and I go, go back a long way. Um, Bob covered the Packers for God longer. I covered Eagles for 32 years. He, he must have covered the Packers for close to 40. Uh, he started his own website last year. Asked me to help him out with some things, and I was happy to happy to help. And when it comes to the draft, there's nobody like what Bob McGinn does with his draft series. So when when um, when when Chet asked me if if I still you know covered the draft, I was working for Bob. I, I have no no choice but to but to know what's going on with the, with the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Well, good. We're, we're glad to have you back on to talk about it. But before we do that, Mark, before we talk draft, I want to ask uh-huh. you about Donovan McNabb. You've covered okay. his entire career in Philly, and he made mm-hmm. some comments over the weekend that seemed to cast aspersions on Carson Wentz. He didn't really say anything derogatory about Wentz, just, you know, if he doesn't succeed, maybe they're going to look elsewhere in a couple of years. He says it's not his intent to say anything bad about Wentz. Is that just McNabb being McNabb? Is it him still not getting over his not always great relationship with Eagles fans or what? I, you know, in the last book I wrote, Donovan was 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 chapter one of of the Eagles' Big Fifty, and Donovan is just the most misunderstood person I've ever been around. And part of it is his own fault, as I say. Um, I, I, again, I I didn't hear the interview live, but I I I saw the, you know quotes from it afterwards. I don't think what he said was so bad. It's right. just that he said it, right? I mean, if if you or I said it, we people would have said, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." They 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 think if Carson does, and 
I mean, all he said was if, if Carson plays the next couple of years and doesn't get past the first round of the playoffs, the Eagles would have to start looking somewhere else. Well, yeah, I mean, isn't that true with any quarterback? If if you're not, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't, and he didn't like get rid of him. He just said they might draft another quarterback. I mean, the Eagles might draft another quarterback anyway. Though, I mean, who knows? I mean, you, you, I I really didn't think it was that bad, but I think it was because of who said it as more than what was said. I agree. The Eagles, Eagle fans, and and Donovan McNabb. And I don't. I'm not sure why. I mean, it, it started when they booed him on. It was actually, it was actually 20 years ago that, that Donovan was booed the night of, of of his draft, and he's always kind of never gotten over that. And then, you know, Eagle fans, you know, blamed him for the team never getting, you know, over the hump of of actually winning a Super Bowl. Although I I never thought it was Donovan's fault that they didn't win it. Um, so there's always been that, you know. I won't even call it a love hate. It's more of a not that hate hate relationship almost between between Eagle fans and Donovan. Well, I think Bill, he got fooled Mark a bit too by Lane Johnson's response, um, where he he got all after McNabb right off the bat. I think that just added fuel to the fire. It didn't help. That's for certain. I mean, and and Lane's just taking Carson's back, I guess. Even though, like I said, I mean maybe. Again, I didn't hear it live, and I just, so I didn't hear it in 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 context. Did you guys think it was that bad what he said? No, I agree with you okay. entirely, Mark. It's just the fact that he said it. If some analyst said it, some you know other analyst or a media guy, you know if Ray Dinger said it, I think everybody's fine with it. But it's just that we don't want to hear from Donovan right now. That's right. just the way it is. Even though Mark, number five will always love you. <laughs> just the way it is. I go back to when it yeah. seems like this has always been the case though with former Eagles quarterbacks. I remember Ron Jaworski being somewhat critical of Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Through years. Um, yep. Maybe it's just that I don't know. And again, I, I, and I'll, I'll I'll say the same thing. If someone else had said the things about Randall Cunningham, it wouldn't have been. The same, but it was a former Eagles quarterback who was now on TV saying things about the current Eagles quarterback, and it just never goes over well. Yeah, the only one that can say anything is Nick Foles. I think he gets a pass. He can say anything about anybody he wants. <laughs> and he yeah, won't yeah. say anything. And he, I don't think he's ever said anything bad about anybody in his life. Right? <laughs> no, he right. probably hasn't. All right, Mark, uh, it is draft time. Thursday night it kicks off. Eagles pick number 25. Before we talk names, just what are the main areas of need heading into the draft for the Eagles from what you can see? Well, I would think, knowing the Eagles and the way they draft, that they're they're probably looking at both lines, offensive line, defensive line. That's kind of where they like to go early in the draft, three years. Um, there is a little bit of a hole on the defense, not the starting, but they, they don't have much depth, especially at the defensive tackle right now. Uh, they have Fletcher Cox, one of the best in the league, and then they, they signed the kid Jackson from um, – the Jaguars, I believe, um, but they don't really have a, an, a third tackle. Uh, not a retired. They uh, traded Michael Bennett, um, so they, they they need a little depth there. And they let, and Jim Schwartz likes to use, you know, he he rotates linemen in and out all the time. So they they like to use at least you know seven to eight linemen through the course of a game. So I I, I think they'll be looking. And this is and let me say this, this is as good a defensive line draft as, as there's been in a long, long time. It's the strength of the draft. So there there should be a 
a defensive tackle there for them at 25. Unless if there's a crazy run, well, then it would open up then maybe an offensive lineman, which is also pretty deep in this draft. Um, and I think the Eagles could probably use a little bit of depth. There's a little bit of age on the, on the offensive line. Jason Peters, I mean, we've been saying it for how many years now? <laughs> they got to get a yeah. replacement, right? But he keeps coming yep, back. Yep. Well, one of these years he's not going to come back, right? And Jason Kelsey, I and mean, there's been there's been whispers about him maybe retiring. He says no, he's coming back again, and he'll be back this year. But again, you have to start looking toward the future. And that's what the draft's about, right? Get, getting guys to take over for the guys that you already have. So I would think offensive line or defensive line is is where they're going to go at 25. Well, Mark, one of the names that I think early on that kept showing up in the mock drafts was that Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, but it seems like he's kind of dropped off a little bit down into that later first round, even later in the Eagles. Is there a problem with Dexter Lawrence, or, or no. what do you see about him? I like Dexter Lawrence. Well, Me first too. of all, I don't, I don't look at mock drafts because they're nonsense, to be honest. I hate to say I don't want to rip anybody in particular, but they're, I hate it doing them. And I hate I don't I hate reading them because it's it's a bunch of guys that don't. When a guy that actually makes picks does a mock draft, then I'll read that one. Right. Because and I'm serious. They just they're guessing. Dexter Lawrence. If Dexter Lawrence is there at 25, that would that would be a very good pick for the Eagles. Him or right. well, I mean, I'll take any of those Clemson guys. That was a great hmm. defensive line that Clemson had. It's why they won the yeah. national title last year. That that and the kid quarterback. But that defensive line was phenomenal. And I'll take any one of those guys. I don't think any – to be honest, I don't think any of the three will, will even be there at 25. All right, Mark, two-part question. Uh, the Eagles signed Jordan Howard, or you know, got him from the, the Bears. Traded for him. I know he's got traded for him. I know he's got one year left on his contract. I know his numbers have come down a little bit each of his three seasons. Mm-hmm. But how good is Jordan Howard, and will the Eagles draft a running back? I think they will in the second round. Oh yeah, they'll they're, they'll definitely draft a running back. Uh, not not at twenty five though. I'll, I'll be very surprised if they take one at twenty five. But like you said, second round maybe even. Well, they don't have a third round pick, right? So right. yeah, probably with one of their second round picks. And this is this running back group is not very. There's no great running back in this draft. Uh, Jacobs from Alabama is probably the best, and he's okay. He's a good back. Um, but talking to the people that that I've talked to briefly about this draft they they told me the running back group it's a bunch of guys that are okay guys that you could put in a committee which is what the eagles do anyway um but you can get a guy in the third or fourth round that might be just as good as the guy that you would get late first early second they're all depending on what you like and what kind of system you you run there's a bunch of guys so yeah the eagles will probably get one um but not i don't i don't think real early well, let me follow up because I know you're not a huge Penn State fan, Mark Eckel, but they got a guy named Miles Sanders who some people say the Eagles might be interested in in the second round with one of their two picks. What do you think about Miles Sanders? Um, again, he's he's in that group of guys that, yeah, they could take him. They could take the other kid from Alabama. There's a kid from LSU. There's a kid from um, Memphis. I mean, there's, there's a lot of – this is – Again, it's it's up to their their taste, and I. They're all the same. They're really all about the same. I, I might. Not, I mean, I don't know if I would even take a running back in the second round. The Eagles have two fourth round picks, right? I might wait I and so. even move up in the fourth yes. round and take one. I think there's other needs. Again, I, running back has become such a unimportant. I hate to say it, but it, look around. I mean, 
Who are the, who, the Eagles won the Super Bowl with with who at, at, at running back? A bunch of committee. guys. That they, committee. Right? What's that? Hey, you know, committee. I mean, yeah, and, and, and not even a high – none of them are high draft picks. You know, the, the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl every other year with – well, last year they finally took one at 30, 31, um, the kid out of, out, out of Georgia, um, at Sony Michelle. But for the most part, you know, the great running backs – they they put up good numbers and they helped their team win a few games, but you don't you don't win championships with your running backs anymore. You win it with quarterbacks and you win it with pass rushers and you win it with a good offensive line. Running back, I like I said, I I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a high pick on a, on a running back. I think you can get a, like a, a one in the fourth round is just as good. Hey Mark, I want to ask you. You know, it seems like Kyler Murray is everybody's number one pick in this draft, and and I'm not going to lie to you. I hate that pick. Uh, you know, he's a five foot ten inch quarterback uh, who's a one year college starter. Basically, he had fantastic numbers, obviously, at Oklahoma in a league that plays no defense. Uh, I hate that pick for Arizona Cardinals or anybody. I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I like Murray. I like him better than, than you do. I think I don't love him, but I think the Arizona Cardinals, when they hired Cliff Kingsbury to be their head coach, they drafted Kyle Murray. I mean that was that was I think yeah. that was a package deal. Kingsbury has loved this kid from how many years back? He even you know before he was a Cardinal when he, when he was a college coach, he, he he raved about Kyler Murray. Said if I ever had an NFL job, he he's the guy that I would take. Well, I think when the Cardinals interviewed Kingsbury for the, for their head coaching position, that had to have been brought up. Listen, if we hire you, what are you thinking about? You know, Murray, do you, is that the guy you want? So once they hire once they hire Kingsbury, I think Murray becomes their 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 pick. And like I said before, you can't win in this league without a quarterback. And mm-hmm. obviously, the Cardinals don't think, or the new the new Cardinals regime doesn't think Josh Rosen is the guy. Um, so is Murray the best player in this draft? No, I don't think so. But he, I, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft by far because the rest of them are all – I don't like any of the other ones even a little bit. So well, that was going to be my question, Mark. Uh, the other three quarterbacks slated to go in the first round, Drew Locke out of Missouri, Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, and I guess the kid from Duke, Daniel Jones. Are yeah, any, Jones. Of them gonna, no. any of them going to be a big-time pro? No? I don't think so. I mean, Haskins I think will be okay. I think he'll be a guy. He'll play. He'll he'll, he'll start in the league eventually. Um, you'll go eight and eight with him. You know he'll he'll be okay. I mean, again, if, if in, in a perfect situation with a great defense and a good line and good receivers and everything working for him, he might get you to the playoffs. Uh, Locke and Jones, I think they're. Uh, it's funny. One of the scouts that I that I did talk to, he compared this draft to I believe it was with was what what year was Cam Newton? Was that 2011? I, mean, I think it was 11. I think it was, but whatever year the Cam right. Newton draft was, he said this draft reminds him of of that draft where where Cam went one, and turned out to be you know pretty good. Took took his team to a Super Bowl, and then a bunch of guys went in that first round: Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert, Brandon Whedon, all first round picks. None of them ever did a thing. And I yep, think 2011 yeah, I was think 2011. Joe, you're you're right yeah. on. Yeah, I, I think Jones and uh, and Locke and Will Greer, if you want to throw him in that mess, um, I think they're all going to be – I think the teams that take him are going to be looking for, for another quarterback in a couple of years. 
Well, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, and we'll get back to the Eagles, but what do you think about our friends up north there, those New York football giants? Uh, is it about time they get a quarterback in the fold and move on from the uh, relic that they have? Well, no, I mean, I, I've been reading it with these Eli Manning. They think he has two, three years, you know, two, three good years left in him. Ooh. Although he hasn't had two, three good years left in the last five. So they're right. they're yeah, right. the Giants are the Giants are a complete disaster right now. They they're they're making the, they're so bad. This they had such a bad off season. They're making the Raiders look smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, this oh. Dave Gettleman, he thinks it's 1987. I mean, he has no idea what's going on in in, in today's NFL. He really doesn't. And uh, well, the heck again, with the... God, God, I'm sorry. Uh, the heck with the Giants. I don't care about them. Uh, let's get okay, back well, to Carson bad. Wentz. Uh, Wentz. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy, but. Assuming good health for Carson Wentz, is he the guy? Do you have faith that he can get them, you know, back to Super Bowl contention? Oh, sure. If he stays healthy, but that's a big if. I mean, because he hasn't. Um, that's my biggest worry. If you know, and that, you know, that back and backs, you know, if it was an ankle or a sh- even a shoulder, okay. But backs can always flare up on you, and I don't know. I mean, the best thing for, for what he has is, is, is rest. Well, he can rest all offseason, but once he starts playing, if that acts up again, I mean, this year is very critical. If he gets through this year without any injury, I think he'll play well. I mean, he, he's a very talented player. I mean, um, you saw what he, you know, what was it, the, the, the Super Bowl year prior to him getting hurt, he yep. was on pace to be the MVP maybe. I mean, yep, he had been right there. I mean, I don't know, if, you know. The, the votes weren't counted, but I think he would have got a lot of votes. Um, and then last, you know, last year I don't think he ever was healthy. I don't think he was healthy from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if Carson Wentz, if Carson Wentz, if you if you guarantee me that he's going to be, you know, injury free and play 16 games, the Eagles are going to be right in the mix. Hey, Mark, talking about the Eagles. Uh, What's your assessment at this point of of the coaching staff, the job Doug Peterson's done? Obviously, he's won the Super Bowl, so he's got that. But uh, you know, with Mike Groh and and Jim Schwartz, how do you how do you see how that's gone so far? Again, like you said, he won a Super Bowl. How can you? I mean, these guys been in it. It's, it's. Am I surprised by it? Yeah, but Peterson's done a great job. I mean. His first year, you know, he was a rookie head coach. He took some lumps. He, you know, he, he didn't do terribly. Wins the Super Bowl his second year, makes the playoffs his third year, wins a playoff game. I mean, anybody that's complaining about Doug, Doug Peterson's crazy right now. I mean, he's done everything he, and, and, and battled through injuries. I mean, um, both the Super Bowl year and last year, the team had a lot of injuries. I'd look into the medical staff if I was the Eagles and the training staff and see what's yeah. going on there. Why are they? Why do they have so, so so many of these soft tissue injuries and stuff that guys not and and why are guys not coming back sooner than guys get hurt for the Eagles? They don't come back. You know, mm-hmm. like it's supposed to be a four week thing. It turns into an eight week thing. So I, I mean, no, but Doug Peterson, I, I got no problems with Doug and, and Schwartz. He 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 gets some heat sometimes. I know. Um, you know, I still watch it from afar, but I see on on Twitter and Facebook and whatever people ripping Jim Schwartz sometimes. But hey, I mean, it, <laughs> the team's winning games. I mean, it's funny. I remember when I was on the radio all the, all the time back during the Andy Reid years when the team was always coming close but not winning. 
And I would have callers say to me stuff like, you know, if we ever win a Super Bowl, I don't care. The next five years, I don't care what happens. They, we could lose. We could miss the playoffs five straight years. I wouldn't care. If we ever win a Super Bowl, well, they won a Super Bowl, and then they had a little bit of a – not a bad year last year, by any means. They made it – and people are, are complaining. So all those people that that said that, you know, think about what you said 10, 10 years ago. Yeah, and they were the same the ones that said about the 2008 Phillies. We we don't care after that. Sell the farm, keep winning, and then they wanted to crucify everybody. Exactly. Hey, Mark, another two-part uh, question for you. Uh, sure. This is a two-part wide receiver question. What do you think of Marquise Brown at uh, 25 for the Eagles, and how much does Deshaun Jackson have left in the tank? I, um, all right, let me answer the first one first. No, I, that's a hot rumor going around that, that you know, people are, are matching him up there. I don't buy it. Like I said, I think they take offense line or defensive line. I don't think they go wide receiver there. I do like Brown a little bit. I mean, he's he's explosive. He's dynamic. He's awfully small. Um, yeah, five five eleven. No, no, no. It, it says five eleven one sixty five, but I know they exaggerate that sometimes. No, he's not five. If he's five eleven, I'm five eleven, and I'm not. And I'm nowhere near five <laughs> eleven. I know. I've he, seen he's that. about five eight. <laughs> he's not five eleven. Um, but he's he is explosive. Um, does Sean Jackson have anything left? I mean, I. The Eagles better hope he does. They gave him a new deal, but I'll, but I will say this: in all my year, you know, in my years of covering the NFL, that's the position that you lose it overnight as wide receiver. I've, I've seen yeah. it with a lot of guys where all of a sudden they, you know, and and Deshaun's the kind of guy. I mean, his game is speed. He's not the kind of guy. If, if he loses a step, he's not the guy anymore because he's not going to beat you over the middle. He's not going to. You know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to get you six yards on third and five. He's he's the he's the guy that's going to beat you deep. He's the home home run hitter. So when you lose that, if and I'm not saying he has, but if he does lose any, uh, you know, a little bit of speed, he becomes a very average wide receiver. If if that. Hey Mark, I have to throw this one name at you. I don't know even know if you know this guy, although some haven't projected as a, as a first round pick. But I have him as my draft name of the year because there's always good ones. Greedy Williams. Uh, greedy. Uh, greedy Williams is going to go first round. Yeah, he's um, he's not as good as some people are making him out to be. Uh, according to the, again, according to the people that I've talked to, he's a first rounder. I like. He's a corner out of LSU. Um, yeah, he'll he'll definitely he'll he'll go somewhere around twenty. I think you know somewhere between eighteen and twenty five probably. Um, I like the kid from Georgia better, um, DeAndre Baker, and I like the corner from Temple a lot. I thought I, I thought he had the name in the draft, Rocky Asin. There you go, there you go. Well, one thing I read about Greedy was that he won't tackle anybody, and we've had a exactly. few of those kind of corners around here in the past. And they don't, and, and, and that doesn't fly in Philly, right? I mean, you know, they yeah. they don't like guys like that. Now, I'm, I'm not a Greedy Williams. I'm not a. He's a good cover guy, but like you said, yeah, he doesn't. He's he's kind of soft. Um, he's not a run support guy at, in, in, the, in the least. Um, but talk talk up this uh, Temple. I, I think this, this this Temple kid could could sneak into the bottom of the first round. Very good. Well, hey Mark, you know uh, we've had you on the show a ton of times, and we can't have you without Chet playing Fast Five with you. So the only he's all geared up. Are you ready to go tonight? <laughs> oh, that, that's what I come on for to play Fast Five. <laughs> there you go. Yes, indeed. Take all it right, away, Mr. Chesko. 
by your request, Mark Eckel, Fast Five. Number one, I'm sure I asked you this the first time we had you on four-plus years ago, but I forget your answer. Who were the two or three biggest Eagles draft busts during your 32 years covering the team? Um, Watkins, Danny Watkins, the the guard. Yep. That was a, a hockey player and a fireman, but not a football fireman, player. fireman, yeah. And then um, John Harris, the defensive yep. end from Virginia yeah. that was a great kid, a great kid. And a night, you know, he didn't even think he, he, he didn't even think he was a first round pick, but the Eagles <laughs> took him there. And, and there's a few more too, but they're, they're probably the top two. Number two, how will Nick Foles do in Jacksonville? He'll, he'll make the playoffs. I don't think he's going to win another Super Bowl there, but he'll, I think he'll, he'll go back to the playoffs. Number three, will the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs next season? Oh, not only make the playoffs, they're going to win the AFC North and win a playoff game. Yep. Number four, what do you remember most about the Rich Kotite era and his prowess as a head coach? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, where, where can I start? Um, I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> Richie and I didn't I, – I don't know if you're aware of this. You probably are, is why you asked. We didn't always yep. see eye to eye on things. Yeah, I heard um, that. So I guess the one thing that I remember most, and I, I probably – we can't curse on this, right? <laughs> we can. No, we own the show. <laughs> um, Ricky actually called me into his office one time after something I wrote and kind of used some foul language at me. <laughs> so that's probably what I, I remember most. But then we – at the end, we kind of – we were okay. Matter of fact, it's a funny story. Um, he started cover- he, he coached the Jets, obviously, after the Eagles, and a friend of mine covered yeah. the Jets and mentioned my, my name to him. And Ricky laughed and said, you know, we never got along, but that guy worked really hard. And I said, you know what, that's, that's <laughs> all I need. That's, that, I took that as the ultimate compliment. You'll take it. And number five, lots of excitement about the final season of Game of Thrones. I've never watched that one. Mark, name a TV show that was a huge hit that you've either never watched or watched but didn't care for. Well, I never watched Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones either. So that would probably be the one. Uh, and I've never watched. It. I've never watched a reality show. I've never watched The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, or Survivor, or okay. any of those. One Amazing bonus race. question, Mark. One oh, okay. bonus question. How are the hoagies, or subs, I guess they call them, in South Carolina? Um, no comment. <laughs> I don't eat them. But let's just say that. Although there, there, there is a Primo's down here. I haven't ah, been to it yet, okay. but I saw it. So I'm, I'm, that would be the best one down here. Good yeah, job, pizza Mark. And, and, and subs are not what we eat down We Barbecue and seafood now, we'll, 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 we could talk. We could do a whole show on, the, on, on that. <laughs> and maybe we will. Thanks, Mark. Hey Mark, before you before you okay. go, tell us uh, tell us about what you got going on with our buddy Bob Vitrone, Junior BetterInsider dot com. What what are you doing with them, and how can people uh, check out what you got going on? Oh, that, that, that's a great site. It was started by Bob and um, Howard and Ben, and got a bunch of guys that used to work at the Daily News. And I was I'm flattered that they asked me to to, to come aboard as well. And it's a better it's you know with with gambling being legal, sports betting being legal now. Almost every it's going to be almost everywhere. Um, they started a site. I did so. I did a lot of college basketball for them. Um, I, was, I did the ACC, being that I'm living in ACC country now. Um, I, I did all that for them. And now, and again, because of where I'm living, I do NASCAR for them now. So I'm, I've become a NASCAR expert. Wow. Um, 
I know, right? <laughs> who who'd have thought? <laughs> um, I, I've actually been picking. I've been. I, I pick the race every week, and I've actually been pretty good. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm amazing <laughs> myself that I keep picking. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have been doing this for 32 years instead of wasting my time. You know, not not picking winners in the, in, the, in the NFL, but um, but but the site's great. Check it out if you haven't. It's better than in, Insider. Um, we have guys picking everything from uh, daily baseball games to the NBA and NHL playoffs, uh, soccer, um, and then once football starts, I'm sure we'll we'll all be doing college football and, and and the NFL as well. Yeah, we love Booper. Yeah, well, hey, we had, we had ra- oh, every day they have, they have horse racing picks every day as well. There you go. Well, you we we had it, Bob we, on we, not we, too long we, ago, yeah. a month or so ago, and I was telling yep. him about uh, I'm not a better, but I went out to Vegas with my family over Christmas during the uh, bowl week, and Alabama's playing Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, and uh, I I went with the 78 under for that game. And uh, <laughs> I didn't spend a whole lot of money. Right. But uh, then about six hours before the game, they moved it to 80. And, does, and doesn't the game end up 79? How about that? Boop's response was, don't bet if you don't have money to lose. You know, that's, that's, that's a good theory. But that amazes me, the guys that do those lines, that, especially the over-unders. They're so close. They're always yep. so close. It's amazing. Um, but the thing with the betters insider, too, I, I actually have a story up on, on the site right now with uh, different prop bets for the NFL draft. Oh, cool. So check that out. We All certainly right. will. All right, Mark. Appreciate right, you joining us. Get right. back to the beach. You still have an hour of sunlight. Take care. All right. <laughs> See you, Mark. We check in every month or so with this fine lady, Chris Gasco from the Irish Rover Station House. Chris, some nice spring weather this week, which is a reminder that Mother's Day is fast approaching, and I know that's always a big day at the Irish Rover. We love our Mother's Day brunch. We have four seatings. We can accommodate any size group. We put out a lovely spread of uh, brunch food. It's a really great day. We have our amazing mimosas. But you want to call ahead and get reservations. So give us a call at 267-560-5240. And did you tell me you have a new menu coming out also? Yes, I have some really exciting news. So starting May 6th, we'll have a brand new menu to work with. There's some really great options on there. Uh, Chicken and waffles, mussels, short rib sandwiches, mac and cheese, street tacos. So make sure you stop back middle of May and check out the new stuff we've got for you. By the way, I plan to be at the Irish Rover on May 4th when the band Big Whiskey is there. Good band. Maybe I'll see you there, Chris. Yeah, I'm there. All right. Always a lot going on at the Irish Rover in Langhorne. Check out the event schedule, menu, and more on the website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Jethro Tull. Wow. You know your Even I know that one. Even I know that one. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. There you go. Well, hey, Chet, you had a chance to sit down with Wall Street Journal sports columnist Jason Gay to talk Tiger Woods, the impact of his Masters win, and what it means to golf. Tell us about it. All right, here's the deal, Bill. Where I work, you know, doing my real job, doing radio, business news, I have access to the Wall Street Journal every day, and they actually have a pretty decent sports section, and they were all over the Tiger Woods stuff last week. And on Thursday, Jason Gay did a real cool, fun piece about Tiger mania and poking fun at how much the journal had done in connection with Tiger. But this was on the very same day the Mueller report was released to the world, which actually ties in with his column, and with our interviews. So, yeah, even though you and I wouldn't be doing our show for another six days, I just thought this was too good to pass up. So here you go. Check it out. 
talking with the Wall Street Journal's Jason Gay about, yes, Tiger Woods. First of all, Jason, kudos to you and the gang at the Journal for this. On a day that the Mueller report was released, your column about Tiger Woods was actually headlined, This is not a column about the Mueller report. I don't know if that was your idea or not, but I love it. Thank you very much. Uh, look, you know, I think we might be the only two people in America right now who aren't discussing the Mueller report. So uh, kudos to us. Um, <laughs> I am just fascinated. Here we are now, more than a handful of days out from Tiger Woods winning the Masters and what a point of conversation it continues to be for people. You know, I know how big Tiger Woods is and I know what he meant to a great many Americans, but I had kind of underestimated how meaningful this would be. You know, we sort of rate these sports moments as they go along and it's, you know, easy to get caught up in the hyperbole, but this is one of the biggest ones I can remember. Yep. Now, no offense, Jason, but the journal probably isn't the first place people go for sports coverage. But still, you and your colleagues were all over this. How many different angles did you guys write about on what Woods accomplished at Augusta? Oh, I think we've got, we're up to about a dozen at this point. <laughs> I mean, there's clearly the sports angle, what he actually did there out of the course. There's the cultural angle of what it all means. There's the business angle of, you know, Tiger Inc. and what it means for a company like Nike, which stood by Tiger through thick and thin. There's the political angle, President Trump uh, announcing pretty shortly after that he would give the Congressional Medal of Honor to Tiger Woods. Do I have that correct Congressional Medal of uh, Honor? Medal of Freedom? The- Congressional Medal of Freedom. Thank you for correcting me because he has no military service, I don't believe. So, yeah, we have definitely explored every conceivable angle to this, but it's a big story. Were you surprised that Tiger was able to complete this comeback with another green jacket? I was surprised. I mean, anybody who watched him play over the last, especially the last, you know, half decade or so, the injuries that he struggled with, the back, the knee, you know, all kinds of things that just seem to be like these structural problems with somebody being a good golfer and especially the kind of golfer that Tiger Woods was. I just didn't see it. You know, he played very nicely toward the end of last year. He had a victory, which was pretty big last year. But that major had eluded him. 11 years is not some sort of small sample size here. That is just basically evidence that he didn't have it. Hey, my Philly Press Box radio partner, Bill, has often said, golf is a whole lot more watchable when Tiger is involved in playing well. I guess that's pretty obvious, but do you agree? I think that's true. You know, candidly, I was one of these folks who, on the opposite of that opinion, felt that golf was still a little bit overly nostalgic for Tiger, that as his relevance continued to slide, that we would still, you know, be monitoring his progress on the course, sometimes to the detriment of the other talent that's out there. There's a lot of really good young American talent. Tiger beat them all on Sunday. So I felt like it was kind of still overshadowing the sport, but the proof is in the pudding. The attention that got paid, the way that this made people feel this comeback, you know, it's pretty significant. Well, as you wrote, a lot of people, the middle-aged set particularly, I guess, have been watching or keeping tabs on Tiger Woods for nearly 30 years, so we feel some sort of connection, right? Sure. I mean, like we say about people that we've watched on television a long time, we watched them grow up on TV. I mean, Tiger Woods literally was, you know, a young man, a teenager when he started winning tournaments at the amateur and then professional level. He has had a very, very long career. Um, And you can even find uh, television evidence of Tiger Woods as a toddler on the Mike Douglas show there with his dad doing putts. And so he has just been this cultural phenomenon for such a long time that I think even people who don't know him, even people who dislike him, even people who have objections to some of the things that have happened in his personal life, you can't help but feel somewhat of a connection to him. Well, speaking of Tiger as a toddler, after the Masters, Nike put out a commercial, kind of a slideshow of Woods' big wins as well as some of his struggles, plus a young Tiger as a toddler saying he was going to beat Jack Nicklaus. Now, you were not a big fan of the spot. I think you called it tacky. How come? 
Yeah, the reason is that I think that that event, the winning the Masters, that should stand alone as an accomplishment. I don't think that if he wins another thing from there on out, it's going to diminish what he did the other day. I don't think that, you know, hyping up the whole let's be Jack Nicholas machinery all over again. I mean, Tiger's 43. You know, the likelihood that he's just going to start collecting majors in the manner that he did, you know, many years ago is I just don't see it. So just I, I want to just sort of appreciate the moment that we had. I see no you know upside for him to start you know putting Jack Nicholas and knocking off 18 as being some sort of life goal. Well, that was going to be my next question. So it sounds like you don't think he's got a shot at equaling or passing Jack Nicholas's 18 major titles. Well, we'll know an awful lot this year. You know, there's a couple of tournaments coming up. PGA, which is at Best Age Black. The U.S. Open this year is at Pebble Beach. These are courses where he has won before. If he knocks off one, maybe even two, I'm going to take back everything I just said to you because then it really will be on. But we'll know a lot more when we have this conversation a few months from now. Final question, Jason. How's that Tiger Woods Wall Street Journal crossword puzzle coming along? <laughs> well, you know, we, we have been accused of being all Tiger all the time this week, and I plead guilty to that. And it's only a matter of time before the bosses upstairs ask for a Tiger Woods crossword puzzle because that's probably the most popular part of the journal these days are puzzles. So if you can pair Tiger with puzzles, I think that's clickbait gold. Follow this guy on Twitter, <laughs> at Jason Gay. Great to talk to you again, Jason. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Oh, Chick, good stuff. Pretty funny. Hey, and, and certainly I'm one that would much rather uh, read or listen to uh, Tiger Woods than uh, the Mueller report. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jason's a good guy, and he was uh, you know, great to jump on with me during a busy day at the Journal. And you know what, Bill? I did not know until Tiger won this Masters that they don't get to keep the green jacket permanently. You get to keep it for a year, then you've got to turn it back in, although you can wear it every time you go visit. You don't get to keep that jacket. Really? Yeah. I did not know I looked that. it up. I looked it up, and it's true. I'll be darned. There yeah. you go. Things We could have saved that for the crap we didn't know. <laughs> I was shocked. Because <laughs> I didn't know. Well, hey, Ted, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave Avoy from Allstate in Westchester, PA. You know it, Bill. The same person you can count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal. Then show you the right financial solutions to help you get there. A good plan and a good life start with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, PA, 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie at Allstate, 610-430-0700. Dave will, of course, always treat you with respect. And you know, Bill, it was 52 years ago today that Aretha's song with that name was released. Here we go. Fifty-two years. Well, I tell you what, uh, that's a that's a great spot because it's a great song by a great artist, and it's something that the Philadelphia Flyers have not shown one <laughs> Kate Smith. So it Uh-oh. actually fits right into our next segment, Chet. We were going to talk Sixers and Phillies, but we got to talk Kate Smith in this Flyer situation. You wrote a nice article on the website phillypressboxradio.com. Um, Got a lot of good responses to that, but I got a little different point of view on this thing. Well, you know, the story's gotten lots of attention, obviously, and based on what I'm seeing on social media and hearing on sports talk radio, 
I'm estimating that about 85% of fans are not happy with the Flyers' decision to stop using the Kate Smith audio and video of God Bless America and then to remove her statue from outside Xfinity Live. So, yeah, I'm saying 85% don't like it. Bottom line, though, I think they overreacted. What is the Furman take? Well, first of all, I think your 85% number is low. I think that number is a lot a lot higher of people that are not happy about it. Okay. But here's my take. First of all, as far as the good luck charm and the song and all that, okay, I get it. Maybe it's worn out, it's welcome. Maybe it's, uh, although it still excites me every time I hear it, and especially when they do it with Lauren Hart and do the, the dual thing, to me it's still exciting as all heck. But if they wanted to do away with the song because it was old, I'm all right with that. The statue is a whole different story. And here's my problem, Chet. The public have made this into a racial thing that she talked, uh, you know, she sang about black people. That's not what this is about in my mind. What this is, is this is strictly political. This is about some, I'll throw out liberal going out and making a scene about something that happened 80 years ago to try to continue the division that's going on in this country, and this is way out of our sports realm, but going on in our country about the flag and about God being involved in anything. And the way to do it is try to create racial divide. And these suits running these companies um, – they dive right in and overreact and made this decision that is 100% a wrong decision. And why, why we allow the minority and a very small minority to get involved in, and, and we jump to their attention is just beyond me, and it's the demise of this country. Yeah, and you know that I'm you know, more of a liberal guy than you are. And my initial reaction was, yeah, I know some people aren't going to like it, but it was the right decision. But then the more I looked into it, I went the other way with it. You do have to sometimes put things into you know, a time frame. And you know, a couple hundred years ago, white people had slaves. Eighty-some years ago, you know, white singers may sometimes sing songs like this. And these were songs written for her. She was just you know, out there doing her job. And we saw from her actions over the years ahead that, you know, she did a lot of duets and events with people of color. And she was not a racist. And people, I agree, we're, are trying to make something out of nothing here. And it's wrong. And I, I can't believe the Flyers reacted this way. And I, you may be right. It is probably higher than 85% of the people who think they made the wrong move. And I'm predicting that at some point the Flyers will return that statue to its spot outside Xfinity Live in the next few months. That's just a prediction. Well, I hope you're right, but I don't think you are right. And, and I'll tell you the thing that really troubles me, Chet, is going back to the whole thing, is that our country has, has gotten so, uh, I don't know what the right word is, weak, soft, whatever it is, that we, will, we allow a comment like this that's off the charts to to be a racial divide in this country. And in, in this case, it's really more probably just our city because people everywhere else don't care. But uh, we, we allow this to get in our way and automatically people take sides. It, it's troubling. It's really troubling to me in the, in the whole big picture that we 
still have not made near enough progress to allow this to get in the way. And, and, that, and people know it. People know it, and they know it's a weakness in this country, and they attack it. And it was nice to see uh, a longtime Flyer executive, Lou Scheinfeld, stepping up and saying that he thinks they made the wrong move here. And I'm going to try to get Lou on the show with us in the next few weeks because uh, I would love to hear him talk more about this. Uh, but well, in closing, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, Lauren Hart made a comment today that I find uh, a little troubling as well. Um, but it's interesting to me that none of the Flyers, none of the Broad Street Bullies, uh, have made any comment that I have that I've seen, and I'm sure that's done on purpose, or I'm going to guess it's done on purpose. But um, it, that that's troubling to me because you know that that Ed Snyder would not have gone for this and would not have done it. Yeah, I didn't see a story, but I saw a headline or some reference to Bernie Perron being very troubled by this whole situation. And in conclusion, Bill, I just want to say that I would much rather talk about Kate Beckinsale down the road than this whole Kate Smith mess. Me too. Me too. And uh, <laughs> I'll just make light of this because I don't think it's a light story. But if they want to put a Kate Beckinsale statue up there, <laughs> I might could do that just for you. I would contribute to that. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. I hope they put the Kate Smith statue back up. If they don't play the song, that's fine. Uh, you know, they could say it wore out its welcome. But history is history. It happened, and uh, and she was a big part of the whole Flyers scene when we were kids. And I think it's important to be part of that history. This is yeah, the way to go about it. And as I noted in the thing that I, the story that I wrote, uh, I think the song did kind of wear out its welcome, and the record, you know, wasn't that great with it over the last several years. In fact, they lost the last, the lost, they lost the last two live appearances that she did singing it after winning the first couple, and yeah, I think they lost more than they won with uh, the Kate video over the last ten years or so. So uh, I think it's time to put that to rest. But I would love to see the statue returned. Me too. And, and one final comment, Chris Terrian made that I did see a comment from, from Chris Terrian and he said, I didn't know if she was uh, anything about any of this, but what I do know is every time I was on the ice and that song played, it sent chill bumps up and down my body and got me fired up. So I like that. Oh, one, one other quick thing. I just thought of this, um, you know, a few weeks back, um, our friend Mike Barnes with the Barkan foundation, had the home run derby with Ricky Batalico and Mike Barkan there outside Xfinity Live, and they had the, the wiffle ball home run hitting contest, which was a whole lot of fun. And it was right near where the Kate Smith statue was, and it was a lot of young people there. And when I say young, I'm saying like early 20s. And a couple of times the balls would get hit and go over by the statue area, and somebody said, yeah, there's a couple of balls over by Kate Smith. And one of the young 20-ish kids said, yeah, they said there's some over by Kate Smith, whoever that is. So clearly the young folks, some of them didn't know who Kate Smith was. There you go. All right. Well, Chet, uh, let's talk Sixers. They blow out the Nets in game five. They advanced a round two of the playoffs against the number two seed Toronto Raptors. Nice series for the Sixers in, after game one, but uh, it's going to get tougher. Oh, man. Yeah, it sure was a great first series, like you said, after they you know, sorted things out after game one. They showed me something. They won tight games. They didn't blow the lead down the stretch. They won the clincher in blowout fashion. Joel Embiid continues to show that he's a friggin' beast. Got to keep him healthy. 
And there's very little for fans to criticize regarding Coach Brett Brown these last few games. All of a sudden, he's not looking like such a dummy. So, <laughs> yeah, as you said, it's going to get tougher, though, in round two. They're going against the Toronto team that dispatched the Magic in five games, just like the Sixers did to the Nets. And they got some real good players in uh, Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka and, of course, Kawhi Leonard, who is 13-0 and in his career when playing the Sixers. He didn't play the one game the Sixers beat Toronto this year. And the Sixers have lost 21 out of their last 24 meetings against Toronto, including 13 in a row up in Toronto. So those numbers make you a little concerned. But, again, the great majority of those games were played not with this current core group of Sixers. So hopefully it will be a better situation this time around. Yeah, it's funny how Brett Brown went from a dope after game one to a, a genius after his airing them out at halftime of game two. And now all of a sudden they they sweep him out and, and Brett's not looking so bad. Well, you know, he shortened the rotation like a lot of people suggested. He's going pretty much with eight guys uh, you know, when it's not a blowout. And they've picked it up defensively when they've had to. Jimmy Butler is playing some great defense. And Tobias Harris the last two games, who's not been thought of as a great defender, was terrific the last couple of games. And Ben Simmons really did a number on D'Angelo Russell. And I was listening to D-Line before we came on tonight. D-Line was on 97.5 for the whole hour before we started our show. And she's thinking Ben Simmons will get a lot of the assignment of guarding Kawhi Leonard because he's really stepped up his game defensively. So it's going to be an interesting series. And I think it's going to be a long series. At least I hope it is because if it's a short series, I think it's going to be the Sixers winning. So I'm hoping it's a long series. Yeah. Well, you know, I really liked Game Four. Probably was was certainly my favorite game of the series. Uh, that was that was a that was a great game. But interesting, back to Brett Brown, that it comes money time in that game, and who's he have on the floor? But Mike Scott, and Mike Mike Scott drills one that turned out to be the game winner. Uh, good move by by Brown and and Scott. You know, he averaged almost twenty four minutes a game in that series. Yeah, now he's a little banged up. I don't know exactly what the injury is. I, I missed that, but I know uh, he is at this point questionable for the start of the series. Game one, by the way, is Saturday night at either 7.30 or 8 o'clock, depending on what happens with one of the other series, 7.30 or 8 o'clock in Toronto this Saturday night with game two then on Monday before they come back to Philly the following Thursday. All right, so give me a prediction. What's going to happen? I am saying, and I hate to do this, my educated prediction is Toronto in seven or maybe even six, but boy, do I hope I'm wrong. Mm, do they have any chance of, if MB does not play in the game, do they have a chance of winning that game? No shot. They, they need MB badly in this one, so he's got to stay healthy. And uh, I think he is getting better, and I'm, I'm hoping that is the case. But I'm saying Toronto in seven. What's your pick? Uh, I'm, I'll never bet against the good the good guys. So I'm going to go Sixers, but I think it's going to go a long way too. I'll, I'll go Sixers and seven. Wow. Okay. Jimmy Let's Butler. Good one. Time for Jimmy Butler to turn it up. All right. Well, Dave, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RazRoom. That's right. 
PPCC118RASROOM on Facebook. Hey, Chet, who is coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week? Well, Bill, next week the draft will be history, and who better to recap what the Eagles did and how they did than the godfather of football? Back for, I believe, visit number 12, the great Ray Didinger. But, you know, there's much more, Bill, because our pal Fred Hugo is going to stop by to talk Sixers. And just for the heck of it, Kevin McClure will make an appearance. Why? Well, it is our five-year anniversary show next week, Bill. And Kevin, the sports junkie that he is, was our very first guest back on April 30th, 2014. So I thought it would be fitting that he come on to tell us what he's been up to as we celebrate five glorious years. Five years. Holy cow, Chet. That's all I got for that. Holy cow. Yeah, it's been fun, and we're going to keep having fun. Oh, it's been a blast. And, you know, as long as there's Philly sports going on, there's always stuff to talk about, like we said early in the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you know what? There's been a lot of people that hung with us through those five years, and we certainly appreciate them. We'll get to them next week as well, I hope. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, we can't skip over to Philly's struggles. Jake Arrieta throwing his teammates under the bus again. <laughs> Not a good look for an average pitcher in my mind. Oh, man. yeah. And as I said at the top, I'm concerned about the Phils. They're not hitting much all of a sudden. They've got some injuries. And other than that five-hit game in Colorado, Bryce Harper has been scuffling. I didn't like the Jake Arrieta thing. And the Phils continue to struggle big time against the Mets, who are 52-29 and against the Phils since 2015. 52-29. The good news, the Phils come back home tomorrow for a four-game series against the last-place Marlins. And, yeah, the Jake thing, that is troubling. I mean, it's okay to be angry about that with your teammates, but I don't know why you have to do that publicly. And I don't know how Bryce Harper is taking that in the clubhouse, you know, after hearing Jake call him out like that. I hope uh, they've ironed things out. Well, Jake uh, uh, Harper has an RBI here in the first inning of tonight's game, driving in Rio Muto, who's hitting in that second spot tonight. Uh, So Harper may be back on track. But uh, you know what, Jed? if this was the first time with Arietta, that would be one thing. He did the same thing last year, and it didn't take long after that for them to start their collapse. That that locker room is just so important, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about today. Everybody's after Kapler now. You know, did, does Kapler run his course? Well, heck, it's only – we're only two weeks – or what are we, four weeks into the season – uh, and I'll even de- defend Kapler on this. None of this is certainly his fault, but how he handled that, which we'll never know probably, is the key whether this season is going to be a go or no-go. Yeah, let's hope they get a win tonight and then take care of business against Miami and get back on track because, uh, I mean, it's going to be a tough season with this division with the four good teams as good as they are. There's a long way to go, and they got to start hitting better, and I still think they need another pitcher. We can say that every week till they get another pitcher, damn it. Well, absolutely. And, Chet, I have to tell you, Sean Rodriguez is playing shortstop, shortstop tonight, the 33-year-old. Yeah. Uh, wherever he was the last two weeks, he was on a tear. So they, they got him, <laughs> and he's in the lineup, and hopefully he'll contribute. Yep, and uh, and I, I have to tell you, Chad, I got to throw this out there because we got all these people that are the Odubel Herrera haters. How's yep. Roman Quinn and Aaron Altair working out for you? <laughs> well, I think you and I still are only one hit behind Aaron Altair for this season. So, uh, yeah, he's, 
<laughs> well, not very and good. Roman Quinn and Roman Quinn is hit no oh ninety one. I believe he also has one hit on the season. And Caesar Hernandez has looked horrible in the field lately with st- stupid mistakes. So I don't know what's going on, but they better get it sorted out soon. Yes, they better. All right, Mr. Chesco, we have a parting shot for you tonight. Well, Bill, in lieu of a traditional parting shot, I just want to say that I can't believe we've been doing this little show for five years now, 233 shows to be exact. We continue to have a great time doing it. We're fortunate in that we continue to convince lots of amazing people to join us as guests. And you, our listeners, we think, anyway, continue to enjoy what we do with our one-hour show every week. And it doesn't hurt that the Philly sports scene always gives us plenty to talk about. Of course, thanks to our sponsors, whom you'll mention in the outro in a minute or two. And we will raise a glass of champagne or beer or coffee or something next week as we formally celebrate five years of Philly Press Box Radio and get started on year number six. Yep. And I, all I can do, since I do not have a parting shot, is second that. Uh, we appreciate the people that have stuck with us. Even when we did our little transition, tried to go another direction, we came back. You all followed us around. And uh, we certainly appreciate all the listeners, all the feedback, and all the good stuff that's going with it. Yeah, and, you know, don't forget, you can find us in a variety of spots. You know that we're on iTunes. You know that we're on Stitcher. I don't know how many people use Stitcher, but I love the TuneIn app. We're there. We are now on Spotify. And very soon, if things work out, we will also be on iHeartRadio. So we're getting around making it easier for you to access us. And uh, stick with us. We've got a lot of big things ahead. And one other thing, Bill, it's 30 years ago today that Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever came out, one of my favorite albums of all time, Free Fall and I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, You're So Bad. Great album. I miss Tom Petty, and that was a great album 30 years ago today. Well, you know what? If you'd have played it, I'd have got that one right, too, Chet. I I blew you away with Jethro Tull tonight, I know. (laughs) Yeah, very impressive, very impressive. (laughs) There you go. All right, well, with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest tonight, Mark Eckel and Jason Gay, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetchesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, May 1st, for our anniversary at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, or blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio. And as Chet just mentioned, a whole lot of podcast locations. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. One, two, three, four, five.